Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. James Dempsey uh, joins us once again. Good afternoon, James. Good afternoon. Uh, all right, well, we'll move on to our first show. It is Between the World and Me. Here's a clip, we hope. Son, this is the week that you learned that the killers of Michael Brown would never be punished. You were young and still believed. You stayed up until 11 p.m. that night waiting for an announcement of an indictment. And when instead it was announced that there was none, you said, I got to go. (laughs) And you went into your room and I heard you crying. I came in five minutes after and I did not hug you. I did not comfort you. I thought it would be wrong to comfort you. I did not tell you that it would be okay because I never have believed that it would be okay. What I told you is what your grandparents tried to tell me, that this is your country. Right, okay, that's Between the World and Me. Uh, It's streaming now on Sky Documentaries. Uh, Whoever that person was, they... We're good at telling the story because <laughs> uh, they thought it was a dramatization when I heard that. <laughs> that's Joe Morton, who is he? Like, I think he's probably best known for Terminator Two, in which he has one of the lead roles in that. But he won an Emmy recently for well, recently in the last ten years maybe uh, for for like guest star on Scandal. But he's an actor who you would definitely recognise, mm, right? So yeah, so this is. Um, yeah, it's kind of a strange one to explain because so in 2015, ta Coates wrote this book called Between the World and Me. And it is a series of essays mediating or sort of pondering about what it is to be like a black man in America in 2016. And they're all letters written to his son. So, you know, this is actually the first one that we hear. That's why it opens with like son. Ah. And... Now, uh, they ha- so someone has filmed it. Originally, it went to say, it was, sorry, it was also hugely successful as a book. It was like, you know, in, in the top 10 lists of books all year and it won the National Book Award, which is a very prestigious American book award. And it has already been adapted for the stage. And the person who adapted it for the stage actually has now brought it to uh, the, to the small screen, we'll say. Camilla Forbes is her name. And the reason why it's on our screens now is because October is Black History Month. So it is sort of being brought to our attention now by HBO and by Sky Documentaries on this side of the Atlantic. And often when sort of documentaries like this come about, uh, they're definitely worthy watches, but they're not necessarily always very entertaining watches. Mm. And I will say this I found absolutely riveting. It's about 70 minutes long and the book itself is really more of like it is nonfiction. So I guess it's not a novella, but it is extremely short. It's only about 170 pages long. And because of the brevity of the text, it works extremely well as a single episode of the show of like of a documentary. And Camilla Forbes has sort of brought together a real kind of all star cast of African-American performers. So, I mean, her, there you you heard Joe Morton, who is definitely a face you recognise even if you don't know his name. But the other cast members include Mahershala Ali, Angela Bassett, Angela Davis, Jarell Jerome, uh, Felicia Rashad, MJ Rodriguez, Oprah Winfrey. So these are like big, 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 the biggest stars mm. probably of the sort of African-American acting community. And what they do is they come and perform the piece as a series of sort of monologues. And it is incredibly intimate because like, the the listeners at home can't obviously see this. There's a little screen between you and me right now. Yeah. COVID mitigation process. Yeah. And it's almost like I'm watching that, you know, I'm watching the show. Like it is an incredibly 
close cut uh, scene you the, the the performer is looking right out at you as the viewer as they speak these incredibly well written words because Tanahisi Coates so he's like a, he's an English scholar he went to uh, to Howard University the the black university in the African American well the black I think university is correct uh, in in Washington and he wrote this book which you know he's an essayist so he's been described I think by um, Tony Morrison as like the James Baldwin of our generation like that he is you know he is he's just able to capture the essence of of blackness in America today and he's such a like delicate writer that like every sentence is 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 composed very earnestly and very stylishly and the meter of it is just like it's almost even hypnotic <laughs> to watch it and then it's so well performed and then on top of that this is a real like showcase of the director Camilla Forbes's ability because you know prior to this she's made a couple of TV shows that I even that I only even vaguely had heard of by reputation only I had never seen them and certainly they're not the kind of things that like I would be tuning in or necessarily talking about on this mm. slot she went to Howard University as well she actually was planning to go on and study medicine and then she became friends with the late actor Chadwick Boseman and then went into acting herself and now she's the creative director of the Apollo Theatre the like the famous oh, Apollo right, okay. Theatre yeah. So she's, I guess, a drama, a dramaturgist, if that's the right term. And is, you know, with this, she really establishes herself as this very striking visual director because intercut between all the monologues is just really beautiful imagery and stark and graphic and sad imagery. But it's just also put together really well in this excellent package that it's just very, very good. Yeah, so I mean, so the central bit of it is, is you know, one one actor does a, a different essay. Sometimes it's the same essay is split between two or three actors and they have warring lines or they have complementary lines where they're speaking with each other or against each other. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's very, you know, it's very much this was, this could be a play, if you get me. You know, yeah. It's very, even in how it's shot, in how it's filmed and how it's directed. Um, but yeah, essentially an actor comes along and, re- and performs the words, obviously doesn't read them. And then right at the very end, uh, Tanahisi Coates actually does the last part himself and a big section of it is about uh, this this man named Prince Jackson who was was you know murdered by well uh, murdered by police in the year 2000 and a whole section of the book is about how uh, Tanahisi Coates and he were the same age and they went to the same university and this sense of if it could happen to him who is essentially me it could definitely happen to me mm-hmm. and then they move it along uh, I mean obviously it's very stark the history of police violence in, in America and this is TV on the radio so I'm not going <laughs> to go into that but uh, they move it along and talk an awful lot about the the other cases that have happened in the meantime since I mean they moved the book along from its 2015 publication date mm. and it is just you know it, like, this is the month to watch this kind of thing right but as I said it is just it's very moving it's very stylish it's 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 quite gripping to watch you know I really really liked it uh, and it, but in terms of what it looks like is it quite static if it's people doing monologues how how, how does she cope with that <laughs> not so no each one it, it, like it, 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 it moves along at this great pace so like for example with that first one that I pulled the clip from we you know we meet Joe Morton and I think he's sitting like on a veranda or something like a patio or something and and so it is quite a static shot of him just talking mm. into a camera. But then they'll bring in like family photographs uh, from Tanahisi Coates's life and will like flash on screen. And then the next section, 
talks about going to Howard University. I think it's called the Mecca in the university. And the Mecca is a part of the university. It's sort of like the student union or something like that. And it's this incredibly lively and I actually can't remember who gives that monologue. I didn't recognise her. But um, it's this very lively, upbeat moment where she's storming her way through the campus and they're cutting to imagery of students graduating and commencement speeches and football players and cheerleading and, and mm. you know, marching bands, etc. So it's not just, you know, static people looking at the, looking out to you. But when it is those static people <laughs> looking out to you, they look right into your soul. Like it's it's extremely well, you know, the, like it's very arty, but the whole tableau works extremely well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, Angie, it's funny because it was the last week you did Squid Game. Yeah. Uh, uh, but particularly on Twitter, the reaction were mixed to put it mildly oh, really? yeah. uh, to, the, to the, you know, extent some people thought you obviously had some sort of mental problem <laughs> if you enjoyed that kind of thing. Uh, but mostly because of the, the, the violence. Yeah. I mean, was, it is. So I still have the finale episode to go. I've caught up till then. I would say of Squid Game, uh, for me, it's it's more peaks than troughs, but there are troughs as well. Parts of it do not work for me at all. I mean, there's this whole number of scenes involving VIPs, which are horrendously written and acted and performed in, in every possible way. But I, I just find it so visually striking that I, you know, I'm kind of hooked in some way. Yeah, uh, Angie says, uh, it's very strange, but totally compelling. It's violent beyond belief. <laughs> But there is so much violence, one becomes desensitised. It's like watching a video game. I'm absolutely addicted. That's kind of that. But I mean, I haven't seen a second of this programme, but that makes me feel slightly uncomfortable that you might get sucked into that. And then I I have to admit, sometimes it takes my breath away with the, you know, it took my breath away with the sheer scale of the violence. And then sometimes the violence was so intimate and small, but yet like, it also took my breath away as well. Like, it's a very well-crafted show when it's good and the rest of the time it's just kind of all right. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to our second show of the day. It is Acapulco. New episodes every Friday on Apple TV+. Plus. Here's a clip. I'm Hector, but people call me Hector the Protector. And I'm actually from Spain, but to the gringos, it's all the same. We take care of everything and everyone around here. That should get rid of him, ma'am. My hero. The key is to anticipate everyone's needs. You do that, poof, you are golden. Oh! Not on my watch. I and the father are one. Teach me everything, master. Trust me, amigo. I would love nothing more than to freely teach you all that I know, but I don't want to. Okay, that's Acapulco. New episodes every Friday on Apple TV+. Plus. I must say that clip gave me the impression that this show is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's awful, but it's not great either. And I think, like, I just don't know when Apple is going to get its, its, its hit, right? Mm, yeah. Because they, they, and they have money to burn. Even you see it, the mo- you can just see money being poured even into this production. So it, it is essentially a sitcom. It takes place in two time periods. Contemporary time, where we have this uh, American, Latin American actor named Eugenio Derbez, who plays the adult grown-up Maximo, uh, talking to his nephew and explaining his rags-to-riches story. And we can infer that it is now extremely rich because he's living in this mansion and talks mm. about having yachts and so on and so forth. And then uh, Enrique Arizon plays him and in 1984 when he's living in Acapulco, Mexico and working in 
Las Colinas, this uh, very fancy, at least on the face of it, holiday resort where everyone has to speak English. So half the time it's in Spanish with subtitles and half the time it's in English. Okay, that's interesting. And there is some interest in that alone. Ultimately, the problem is um, there's nothing particularly novel or new or funny or fresh about this. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want a, a, a story where uh, someone looks back at their past and explains it better, go with Young Rock, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, yeah. which I really liked and found very charming. This, uh, you know, e- nothing about this is, as I said, fresh or modern, right? You have uh, Maximo, who is this, uh, you know, heart of gold uh, pauper who comes and works in the hotel. He he spots the receptionist and falls for her. She what does she like? She likes to read Jane Eyre and uh, sort of draw uh, fashion. She fashion designs in her in her free time, and she's going out. Even though it makes no sense for her, based on what we learn, you know, she loves. She's a sensitive artist, creative type. She's going out with the hotel manager's son, who is this like bodacious blonde himbo who uh, you know is is an idiot, right? Yeah. So even you know, like it writes itself basically, right? Like. In the second episode, he's uh, trying to help some guy who wants to propose to his wife. And if you don't see where, you know, like a twist happens and if you don't see where it's going to go from that point on, you have clearly never watched television before because it's just following the same route. Now, at the same time, I said Apple pours money into these things because... The sets are incredible. They're huge, like uh, Technicolor, 80s, Mexican style. You know, it it, it, it actually looks a little bit like the sets of Squid Game somewhat, right? These like very (laughs) bright pinks and yellows and architecturally stunning. There's loads of extras in the background. That scene that I pulled the clip there where he meets his hotel rival, Hector. Hector, the protector, who's uh, who's this other kind of pool boy along with Maximo. Uh, like, I mean, this is this very long tracking scene working all along the pool where a number of stunts happen. Like, they're pouring lots and lots of money into this. And I don't think anybody is going to watch it, right? Mm. Like, here is ultimately the problem with Apple. Even its biggest show, The Morning Show, I, I, I see no critical writing about it. I see no, you know, there's no sort of, it, it's not a buzzy show at all. Nobody is no, talking. I, I saw a Twitter thread the other day where people are going, what the hell's going on? With this? this is like, <clears throat> excuse me, singing or something going on. It's kind of lost the plot a bit. It opened yeah, with, in the first episode with a musical montage on their morning show. And, okay. then, and, and then Foundation has not been the breakout hit certainly yet uh, that they have wanted it to become Mm. which is a shame it's not that it's a brilliant show but it's a locally made show so you know I I want it to be successful for that reason and it's a sort of middle of the road show for me it's it's visually pretty but it's also pretty vacant at the same time so ultimately I just don't know what you know Apple like they have Right, they have our they have us because we have their devices right so they, they can get the video to us but they just can't yet quite pick something that's going to make us sit down and watch or be the buzzy show that people who don't have an iPhone, who don't have an iPad think, oh yeah, I must, you know, invest in Apple for this. They haven't created that FOMO. They haven't, not. Yeah, okay, well, maybe they can learn something from Channel 4 or perhaps (laughs) not. Uh, Our next show is called Murder Island. Ooh, I wonder what that's about. Let's listen to a clip. This is the manse. This is where we believe that the victim lived. There is a forensic examination taking place. They will prepare a report and then that will be sent through to all of you. What I need you all to do is to focus on preparing a watertight case that we can take to prosecution that is going to be successful at court. Does everybody understand? Yes, yes ma'am. 
Parm and her deputies have no idea who killed me. They have the same information as the amateur detectives. At the moment, all we know is that her name is Charlie Hendricks. So we need to understand who she is, why she was here, and how she died here. Right, that's uh, Murder Island. It's on Tuesdays at 9.30 on Channel 4 and you can catch up online at all four. So presumably this is a TV reality game where there's a murder that takes place on an island and you've got to figure out who did it. And the lead-in is the bake-off. So they obviously yeah. were hoping that this was going to be this big hit. And I like I kind of had much higher hopes for it because I thought it sounded fun, right? That they were going to get these four pairs to play detective. They're on this Scottish island. The mystery itself is created by Ian Rankin, the mm. Scottish... Yeah. mystery crime writer uh, and I thought it would be really like I thought it would be fun and it sort of just isn't enough of anything like it isn't camp enough it, and yet but it isn't serious enough and it all sort of isn't just enough so what I thought was most strange about it was we get scenes of the investigators going around and like that you know they get told off for stepping in the blood <laughs> and you know, mm. uh, you know moving evidence around or not noticing glaring obvious things because they don't have a clue what they're doing right yeah. they're like you know they're non-professionals <laughs> and they're being watched by uh, you know I think this very lead uh, that's what she's described anyway some lead UK prosecutor or, de- or de- mystery inspector that's definitely not her term anyway her name is Parm Shandu senior investigating officer I wrote it down and then two other uh, deputies of hers who sort of, you know, they're they're the Paul and Prue of the, the judging yeah. panel, right? And then, uh, so they go around and they do that. But then what's for me just didn't work at all is we, the viewer, then get intercut to like, dramatic recreations of various bits. So like we see Charlie arriving on the island. Charlie is our, Charlie is our murder victim mm-hmm. who we are t- talking there. We see her you know kick off this flirtation with the local shopkeeper we see her begin to uh, have an enemy with this you know the, the whole plot is being driven by eco eco uh, tourism on the island and yeah. whether or not they want it and it's all done by um you know, I guess jobbing actors who are not in demand, right? <laughs> so, but it sounds like they just stuff it full of MacGuffins. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's stuff full of MacGuffins, and the performances are uniformly terrible. And then these performers have to play, you know, as real when they're being investigated by the, by the, um, you know, the investigating foursome. And, you know, I have to, like, there was this one point where, where this evil guy, I can't remember what his name, his name was either Freddie Forrester or uh, or Logan Corrie, I can't quite remember. But he came around the corner, you know, and uh, <laughs> carrying, like, a menacing bottle of, of champagne or something. And it's supposed to be this total like God, I don't, well terrible person yes, I can't curse yes. on the radio okay. right yes. yeah. and, and he, like they have to then improv because obviously you know they're being asked, they, they they have obviously learned off some kind of story but they have to improv when they're asked whatever they're going to be asked by the, the detectives because they don't know what they're going to be asked and it all just is awkward it's like you know it, it's like watching a murder mystery weekend that you're not taking part in, right? Like, at least if you're taking part in it, you have the fun of trying to solve the mystery yourself, which I guess you can do here as well, but you're reliant on the others to solve the clues for you. And it just all, like, to me, it just, 
it was it was too serious and not serious enough and not camp enough and just silly. I just thought, I thought the whole thing was silly. And, and is it is it one prize over the course of the series? So it's fifty grand over the co- course of the series. But I have to admit, my jaw dropped when I saw that there were six episodes because I thought that seemed like an awful lot to stretch out mm. across. Now they will eventually start eliminating the teams for failure to progress their in- investigations. But right. ult- like, but ultimately the problem is the you know the detective inspectors, the real head honchos are kind of expecting the you know the 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 contestants to know what they're doing and of course they don't have a clue what they're doing because they're not trained investigators so they're just muddling around a bit <laughs> and it's still not quite funny enough either at that end right like it just it's never enough or certainly it wasn't enough in episode 1 Right, okay, not a not a great haul this week, it must uh, be well, said. Well, I liked, I liked Between the World and Me. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, yeah, that's true. That that does sound interesting. Yeah, somebody's texting to say they watched 20 minutes of it. Holy divine, it was the draggiest load of rubbish I've ever watched. Uh, someone else says, watched the first episode of Squid Game. Then a few days later, my nine-year-old daughter came home from school and told me the last episode reveal. It's still a great show, but I will use that story at a <laughs> wedding in my speech, uh, says Sean. At the same time, that might get the reaction of you let your nine-year-old watch Squid Game. I assume she hadn't. She's just uh, heard about that. Uh, James, thanks a million as ever. James Dempsey there. We were talking about Between the World and Me, uh, which is excellent streaming now on Sky Documentaries. Acapulco, new episodes every Friday on Apple TV+. Plus. That's hmm. And Murder Island, Tuesdays at 9.30 on Channel 4. You can catch up on all four and apparently it's garbage. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Want to take a break after that? Catching elderly Nazis. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.